welcome back to the podcast. I hope you guys are having a lovely day when you are listening, like always, whether it's any day of the week. I just hope it's been a great one. I am doing a podcast episode today all about dealing with conflict. This is an episode that I've been wanting to do, but I didn't exactly know the format I wanted to do it in. And it's a topic that I personally struggle with. I'll kind of go into my background with conflict and kind of why I'm someone who avoids conflict and kind of go through some past stories of, you know, friendships, roommates, conflict I've had within relationships and just how I've kind of learned to be healthier at dealing with conflict. It's something that I just don't think is talked about very often and I just remember being in my first job post-grad and things come up and I think it's really good to kind of know how to deal with conflict. I do want to say that I'm approaching this from a Christian perspective and most of kind of like the reason why I believe the viewpoint I do on conflict is because I am a Christian and I'm going to kind of go into that and why I think this is the best way to kind of deal with conflict. But I just want to put that out there if you're not a Christian, if that's going to be a perspective you're not interested in hearing. I just wanted to say that even though I'm pretty sure it's kind of just like a normal perspective. I don't think it's kind of anything different than what someone who believes in having kind of healthy conflict resolution would say. But yeah, I'm going to go into that. I'm going to go into different conflict styles. I'm going to go into different ways people approach conflict. There's actually like five different ways. So I'm going to talk about that, talk about my experience, talk about how I think you should best go about solving conflict. I'm then going to go into a segment where I'm answering y'all's kind of advice questions you had. I just asked on my Instagram if you guys had any kind of input on this, if you have any personal experiences or just kind of questions in regards to conflict you're dealing with, whether that be in a relationship, whether that be in your career, whether that be in whatever, just kind of some tips on dealing with conflict from an outside third party, which I'm not an expert and I'll kind of share that I'm really not an expert when it comes to dealing with conflict because I'm not a confrontational person, but from my experience, I'll kind of share why I think the way that I do. So that's today's episode. Like I said, I think it's going to be a really good one, a really interesting one, and it's something that I haven't really talked about on the podcast before, so I'm excited. week's life update I have been trying to eat just a little bit healthier this week I think we had some friends over this past weekend and I just definitely ate some things that I am totally okay with eating but I just didn't feel the greatest when I woke up on Monday so I've been really into just working out and really kind of eating more whole foods and when I say healthy you guys know my approach towards food if you watch any of my what I eat in a weeks I kind of eat everything in moderation I didn't used to eat this way but this is the way that I just have the healthiest mindset with food But when it comes to during the week, I do try to eat just more whole foods. I've been making Whole30 meals for us for dinner and trying to just make more salads and get more greens because that's what I feel the best eating, like lean meats and greens and kind of like healthier grains. That's what makes me feel the best. But I definitely just ate some pita chips before this and I'm drinking an Olipop because if you listen to one of my last episodes, I talked about how I've been really liking soda as of lately, which is definitely not the healthiest thing. But I do feel like the Olipops are good because they have kind of like a kick of caffeine in them. I also have been trying F45, which is a workout class. If you guys don't know, it does a lot of kind of HIIT workouts and it's strength and cardio. So I believe it's like three days a week, it's cardio, two days it's strength. I've only gone to two classes. I went to one red line cardio class, which was so hard. Literally the hardest workout class I've ever done. It was burpees. It was bear crawls, like bear runs. It was sprinting. 
It was a lot of squat jumps that were weighted. It was so good though, but so hard. I felt like I was back in high school and I used to dance when I would like condition for our dances. It literally felt like that. It was so good. And then I did a strength class as well. I've been going with my neighbor because she goes pretty regularly. And it's really nice when you're going to a workout class for the first time when you go with someone you know, because it can be so intimidating. I will say though, I think F45 is probably the least intimidating class I've been to. I get a lot more intimidated going to more like boutique fitness. I guess this is technically boutique fitness, but classes like Soul Cycle or like bar classes. I don't know why I get more intimidated at those because I feel like those are kind of more like fitness culty. <laughs> but F45, just from my experience, when I went to, it was like people of all different fitness levels. There were new people. There were people who go every week. It didn't feel as culty, so I just really liked it. But it's still nice to go with someone that you know. But we've been going, and it's been so nice. We've been doing the 8 a.m. classes, the two that we did. And I really like the idea of getting up at 6.45, going to an 8 a.m. workout class, coming back, and then taking cash on a walk. That has been, like, my my two days that I've had the routine but I just really liked those days I was really happy those days so I kind of want to start incorporating that into my routine a little bit more but yeah if you guys have never tried F45 I would definitely recommend it and like I said we've been taking cash on walks because now he has all of his shots which has been so nice that he can just like freely go about and get the energy out I took him to this park today that has a lot of ducks and I saw another golden retriever there he was playing with and It was just so much fun. It's really nice to kind of get out there and meet some people. And one thing that's been really rewarding is I've actually felt a lot stronger in my workouts lately. When I did that strength class at F45, it was a lot of kind of like weighted squats, bicep curls. There was this one that was like a barbell that you kind of like lift up. I think it's supposed to be for your shoulders, push-ups. And those are things that a year ago I would not have been able to do because my arms just like simply would not be able to lift up a weight but and I know this isn't that much but like most of these workouts I am at around like 15 pounds when I'm lifting stuff when I'm doing like bicep curls when I'm doing just like different arm workouts and the push-ups it was like one hand was on a medicine ball and then the other hand was just on the ground and you were doing push-ups and it was so hard but I was actually doing them and it's just so rewarding I want to say this because I know it's like summertime and I've been seeing the videos of like get your best summer bod or whatever it's just so much more rewarding when you feel physically stronger than when you're working out to look a certain way not that I even think that's bad either but for me personally that is what has been motivating me and my workouts is just feeling like, wow, I can actually do a push-up. I can actually like lift this uh, weight and I can actually just carry more things and I feel physically stronger. So when all those messages start coming to you, if you are really affected by them, just kind of try to pivot in the direction of, okay, no, how can I work out to be stronger, to be happier, to be mentally happier? Because that is honestly what really matters in the long run. So getting into the meat of the episode, I wanted to start by just talking about the five different kind of arguing conflict styles that people have when you are faced with conflict, how you approach it. This is from the HubSpot blog, and it's actually technically on conflict management styles, I think within like a workplace, but I think this can also apply for just personal relationships. The first one is accommodating. And it says an accommodating style forsakes your own needs or desires in exchange for those of others. You would be putting the concerns of others before your own. This style usually takes place when you either simply give in or are persuaded to give in. 
Number two is avoiding. An avoiding style completely evades the conflict. You would neither pursue your beliefs nor those of the others involved. Simply, you would continuously postpone or completely dodge the conflict whenever it comes up. Three is compromising, and it says a compromising style attempts to find a solution that will at least partially please all parties. You would work to find a middle ground between all the needs, which would typically leave people unsatisfied or satisfied to a certain extent. Number four is collaborating. A collaborating lifestyle attempts to find a solution that will meet the needs of all parties. Rather than trying to find a middle ground solution, you would aim for a solution that actually satisfies everyone and ends up being a win-win situation. Number five is competing. A competing style takes a firm stance and refuses to see the perspectives of the other parties. You would keep pushing your viewpoint at others or keep rejecting their ideas until you get your way. So right off the bat, I feel like you can kind of relate to at least one of these and say that's definitely my approach. And I think depending on the situation, you probably do have a different approach. But from my perspective, I am hands down an avoider. I am someone who does not like conflict at all and ever having to deal with some sort of confrontation when I know I need to say something or I know I need to kind of stand my ground. It makes me feel physically sick. Like I would rather just back out and avoid the situation and ignore it. And this can be like with friends. This can be within career stuff. This can be like, I'll go into a few stories, but I remember when I was in even high school and college, this is not really a conflict conflict thing, but I would always avoid checking my grades. Like whenever you would go onto an online platform and see what you got on a test, I know people would just be so eager to go check. I kid you not, I would not check my grades until it came down to like the end of the semester. (laughs) And that is when I would look at where I stood because I literally did not want to face the fact that maybe I did poorly on something, maybe I need to improve in one area. I just totally avoided it. I would make Aiden check my grades in college. I'd make my parents check my grades in high school. My parents never really checked my grades either. They didn't feel the need to, and I don't even think they knew the password, but I would make my mom like look at it and she would tell me the grades because I just physically could not. Another thing is I, just growing up, did not really like fight within my family. We never really like had major conflicts within our family so I just don't think that I ever really was presented with a lot of opportunities to actually learn how to deal with conflict in a healthy way just because we didn't really have that much growing up and when I worked my first job in social media marketing if you listen to like any of my career episodes you probably have heard me talk about this but I was under just a lot of pressure if you watched my videos during that point you probably saw I was so naive to how kind of like the marketing world worked and how many hours you were working and especially when it was a smaller startup like it was just a lot to handle especially while doing at this point my channel was growing I think when I graduated college I had like 310,000 subscribers and my channel grew to around 370 when I was working and so I was getting just a lot more brand deals I was just feeling like I needed to be spending more time on YouTube given all this growth. I was so stressed and I remember I just had a meeting with one of my bosses to go in and kind of share how I was feeling and see if we could do anything and I literally guys started crying in the meeting which is so bad. I feel like that's the number one rule is not to cry at work and I cried there. There was another time when I was so stressed that I had to go to the bathroom and cry. I am just someone who really does 
avoid conflict in all areas of my life. And even like in my friendships, I just don't think I've ever had any massive like conflicts that I've dealt with. I definitely think more so with roommates. I've had stuff because I think naturally when you're living with people, stuff comes up. But within my actual friendships, I've never really had like a falling out with friends. And so I'm just not someone who deals with conflict that much. I think I started experiencing more conflict in college and post-grad and kind of like within dating and all that kind of stuff. I think, like I said, talking about the roommates, I got a lot of questions about roommates because I think that's one of the areas of your life where you do experience the most conflict. But I just remember like getting, I'm just naturally a very quiet person. I'm more introverted. I think I'm more extroverted now than I was in college, but in college, I just really like, sorry, I heard things rattling outside and I'm home alone. I got a little scared for a second. I thought Cash was doing something because we're trying to stop leaving him in his crate as much because he is more potty trained now and he doesn't get into stuff that much, but I keep hearing, do you hear that? It keeps sounding like doors are shutting, but there's no one out there. A little bit creepy. But as I was saying with roommates, a lot of times I would just be more quiet and I would like hang out, but then I always preferred to kind of go in my room and have alone time at night, especially after a day of classes because as an introvert, that really drains me being in classes all day, like talking, participating. And I think that with roommates, a lot of people kind of took that as me being upset or mad about something and like giving kind of a silent treatment. And I had to just kind of say that like, no, this is just my personality. I just have to have alone time. It means nothing about you. It's just me like in my preferences, my preferences, what I like. And that was like an area that I felt like I had to deal with. And obviously when I started dating, even, and I've only been in two relationships, but you definitely deal with more conflict. And I felt like Aiden was the first person I was dating who just dealt with conflict in a really healthy manner and really talked things through which was something that I just wasn't really used to being around and I think I learned how to just express my feelings a little bit better and did not kind of build up resentment but actually talk about things when even if they were little things that I was upset about and another just practical thing that I think I've learned is how to say no to things and just stop being a pushover. I did an episode on giving people grace and accepting grace and I think I'm someone who's just a very forgiving person. I don't hold grudges with people. I very much believe in forgiving people because we were forgiven, especially from like a Christian perspective. But a lot of times that meant I would forgive, but I would forget what people did. And I don't necessarily think that we're always called to forget when people kind of betray us and to just not be a doormat for other people while also not making myself a victim. It's this very sweet balance of being forgiving and just kind of not letting things like the attitude of just being unbothered and going on with your life when it's just not something that's that important just learning all of that balance something that I really like this is from gotquestions.org it's a Christian resource and basically if you have a question about anything they probably have a topic on it you can just google but this one's on conflict resolution and I do want to say that this is specifically within a church setting so it is a little bit different but I do think you can kind of mirror some of these things to just like real life but it says the goal of conflict resolution is unity and unity in the church poses a threat to the devil who will use every opportunity to take advantage of unresolved issues especially those involving anger bitterness self-pity and envy 
These emotions are involved in most church conflicts. Scripture tells us that we're to let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from us, along with all malice. Ephesians 4.31 Failure to obey this command results in division in the body of Christ and grief to the Holy Spirit. We're also told not to allow a root of bitterness to spring up among us, leading to trouble and defilement. Clearly, a biblical method of conflict resolution is needed. The New Testament has multiple commands to believers that are demonstrative of living at peace with one another. We are repeatedly instructed to love one another, to live in peace and harmony with one another, to settle our differences among ourselves, to be patient, kind, and tender-hearted toward one another, to consider others before ourselves, to bear one another's burdens, to rejoice in the truth. Conflict is the antithesis of Christian behavior as outlined in Scripture. Sometimes conflict has to do with style preferences or personality clashes more so than it has to do with sin per se. In such cases, we do well to check our own motives and remember to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And this is also from Focus on the Family, but they talked about kind of like tools for healthy conflict resolution. And I really like what they said. They said, but like from my perspective, just to start it off, I think that ideally you'd like to be the kind of personality where you're the collaborating style of conflict. I don't think this is always depending on the situation. Like there were some situations in college where it was not physically healthy for me to collaborate (laughs) with both parties at hand because it just wasn't good like you have to know the situation but I think for most instances where it's conflict between maybe you and your boss or you and a friend that you've had for a really long time it is good to kind of find that how can we get a win for me a win for you and just remember our friendship at heart And number two is just always to check your motives and stick to the issue. It's so easy when you're arguing about something to go off in a million different directions. I think especially within like a romantic relationship, it's so easy to be upset about one thing and then you just bring up 50 different things because you're just letting your emotions get the best of you. But it's really important to stick to the issue because it's really not going to get solved if you just keep bringing up a laundry list of all these past things. I really like that it said this, but it said to pursue purity of heart. Matthew 7, 5 says, take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I just think it's really important to remember, like it says in this, we are so blinded by our own perspective and our own kind of train of thought that we just can't even imagine seeing someone else's perspective. I love that this verse talks about taking that speck out of your own eye and then you'll actually be able to see from their perspective. Number four is just to listen carefully. I think we're in a world with podcasts and YouTube channels, I'm talking to myself here, where we love talking and thinking that our ideas and our train of thought is just, you know, a gift sent from heaven, but it would do us well to be better at listening. And again, I'm talking to myself. I just know the people I love being around the most are those who listen, who ask questions. You know, thinking about it, that's like my neighbor who I go to my workouts with. She's so good at asking questions and genuinely being interested in your life. And it makes me want to be around her because I feel like she just actually cares for me. And I think that's a good way to live your life with other people too, is just to listen carefully to other people and reflect on their perspective. Number five is to forgive. It says, forgive others as Christ has forgiven you. Forgiveness is both an event and a process. He suggests that you make forgiveness concrete with four promises. It says, I promise I won't bring this up and use it against you in the future. I promise I'm not going to dwell on it in my own heart. 
I'm not going to talk to other people about it and I'm not going to let it stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. And number six is propose a solution. Remember the relationship is more important than the issue. When working toward a solution, consider Philippians 2, 4 through 5. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Seek solutions that keep everyone's best interests in mind. And that's another thing. When people are genuinely solution-oriented people, it makes it so much easier to go about solving conflict. I do just also want to say that all of these things I'm talking about, I'm talking about conflict with people like in person in your life. I think I personally value being accountable to people in my personal life who I know, people who are my friends, my family, people who I would share things that I'm going through and feel comfortable opening up to them and seeking their advice because I think they're wise people that I know and I have a relationship with. And I think that's the kind of healthy conflict resolution that you can have is with people like that in your real life. I'm not really talking about like the online world. I think that that is just, yeah, I think that you should have in-person people who know you and you do life with. And I think that within conflict it's easier to solve conflict when it's in-person relationships so that's all i'm going to say i'm going to go ahead and go into your submissions because there are quite a few this one is pretty long but she says my best friend now ex-best friend and i began drifting for some time I felt that a lot of the time I was the only one putting in the majority of the effort into our friendship. However, I never brought these concerns to her attention. We went backpacking through South America together, which is where I really started to realize that our friendship was going in different directions. Not only would she not take my feelings into consideration, but I basically followed her around like a lost dog the majority of the trip. Soon after we arrived home, we stopped talking for about six months. She never once reached out and neither did I. Then we eventually reunited and never did discuss why we stopped talking. It was as though nothing had happened. Shortly after, she began seeing my brother-in-law. At first, I was uncomfortable with the idea and felt it was a little too close for comfort. That definitely sounds like it's very close <laughs> for comfort. But I eventually got over it and it didn't bother me so much. I did, however, speak up to her on the situation and let her know my boundaries with everything. At the time, I had been with my husband for four years, so it did feel as though she was overstepping, but those were just my insecurities I had to deal with. I let her know that I did not want to be involved in any issues that she would have with my brother-in-law as it would cause some tension or make me uncomfortable. She did respect that part, which I appreciated. Several months later, I found out that she had told my brother-in-law and my husband's family some really sensitive information about me that I had told her in confidence. This was the final straw for me. With everything that I had built up over the years, I no longer desired to have a relationship with her anymore. My husband and I moved to France for a few months during the summer of 2019 to be with his family. While I was abroad, she would sometimes reply to my Instagram stories, to which my responses were very short. She eventually got the hint. When I got back, I never reached out to her, and neither did she. That winter, a very close family friend of hers passed away. I knew this person as well, so I reached out to her, sent the family money, and my condolences to her. After that, I was deleted and blocked off of all social media platforms, which was fine with me. As you can maybe tell, I do not like conflict, and I've never handled it well, so I didn't have the nerve to remove her from my socials. She and my brother-in-law, who is now her fiancé, that's crazy, only live a few hours from us. My brother-in-law and my husband have not spoken to each other in over a year. Keep in mind that their relationship has always been extremely distant. They were never close growing up, but since we all now live in the same country, you would think that they would talk or see each other more. When my husband reached out to him last Christmas and did not get a response, my ex-friend has gone around saying that I am the reason why the family is divided and they no longer have a relationship. 
My husband has reassured me that this would never be the case. I set boundaries with someone who now will become my sister at some point, which makes this whole thing a bit complicated. I do wonder had I expressed how I was feeling about our friendship years ago if maybe things would be different now. Long story short, this has been a huge learning curve for me. I still struggle with conflict, but I know when to speak up if needed. If you have any advice for me on the family issue, that would be great. I have so many what-ifs about it. What will happen come the wedding? Will we not be invited? If we are invited, do I attend? She will be my family one day, so what do I do going forward? Oh, this one is really hard. And I think that reading this, because I read this and I actually responded to her, I was like, I totally relate to this because it's crazy how resentment does really build over the course of time. And it's so sensitive because she is getting married to your brother-in-law, which is so close. Like, I can't imagine my best friend getting married to Aiden's brother like that's just crazy to me but I think that's fine like if it works out that way but especially when you already have this kind of relationship honestly I think the only thing you really can do and this is coming from someone who hates confrontation is to sit down with her and chat and this was something my sister Lindsay said in our episode together but not even viewing it as a confrontation but like asking her if she'd want to go out and get lunch or something and I know it's been a while since you've talked so it's probably super uncomfortable but if you even value having normalcy within your relationship with your husband and your family and wanting that to stay intact just kind of offering an olive branch but not in a sense where you're going and just sweeping things under the rug but just confessing how you feel and confessing why you felt that you drifted and why things are the way that they are and giving her your perspective but yeah it's crazy how like if you had done that at the start like maybe this wouldn't have been as bad but you know maybe it would have been this bad too maybe things still would be weird but at least you could say that you have done your part and tried and that's something with conflict with me sometimes I just want to be able to say that I tried like I did my part I tried to be open and to be caring and to talk through things and you know that's all you can do at the end of the day you can only control how you respond to situations not how someone else is going to respond and I think being open with her especially when it's family I do think that you have just a little bit more grace with family and just to kind of talk things through, but that's so hard. I personally probably too would not have said anything in the beginning, but I definitely think there is a time and place too. This one says, I really struggle with conflict so I could use some advice. During my time in college, I have had quite a few roommates and I have only ended up really being friends with two of them. I'm the kind of person who is overly conscious about the people around me, so I tend to go the extra mile to make sure everyone is comfortable. For example, I try to be as quiet as I can in the mornings, clean up right away after cooking, and offer to buy things for the apartment, such as tinfoil, when we run out. Unfortunately, I get frustrated when my roommates don't do the same. I want to bring it up when things bother me, but I get worried about having an awkward conversation. So my frustration ends up building up until I can't even be around them anymore. Before I get married in a year, I will be living with a few friends. I want to be able to express myself when I'm annoyed, but I don't know how I want to have those conversations. I don't have any problems having difficult conversations with my fiance and family members, but I have the issue with friends and roommates. How did you handle roommate conflict and or what do you wish you did if you could go back? So I totally agree. I think I've never had a problem kind of like talking through problems within romantic relationships and a little bit family too, but for some reason roommate stuff is so hard because you can't just leave if things kind of hit the fan (laughs) like you have to stay there and I think going back something I wish I would have done from the start especially because you mentioned the thing about 
like buying all the stuff. I had one roommate situation where I had just like a very healthy relationship with them and it was like we kind of split everything if we bought things for the apartment it was always split or we trade off and it was just nice I never like shared groceries with my roommates but stuff like tinfoil things we'd share all that kind of stuff toilet paper and you don't realize how much resentment you can build when you're the only one buying that stuff for a long course of time and you just expect your roommate to kind of pick up the slack and honestly they probably aren't if you're gonna keep doing it that's what I learned And so I think from the start, you kind of have to put down some guidelines and it's really hard when you're actually close friends to do this, but it is so important for your sanity to say, okay, we're going to wash the bathroom once a week. We're going to do this. This is what this person's going to do. This is what this person's going to do and really making sure that everyone has responsibility because it does help lessen resentment. I mean, we do that now within my relationship with Aiden and we're married and we have certain things that we do and I just think it just helps kind of lessen that resentment obviously you've been living with these people so it's not something like you can just go back and do this from the start but maybe like creating some sort of chore chart or something bringing it up to them and I know it sounds stupid like I think I always felt stupid getting aggravated by things like that but they really do add up when it's every single day when you're in this situation especially when you do want to be really good friends with them but you remember that they haven't bought toilet paper for a year and it's always been years or something like that stuff can add up so I think that you approach it not in an angry way not in a way where you're kind of attacking them but just being like hey could we try like splitting up purchasing things going from now or hey, would you mind just being quiet in the morning when you're going out? Like, sometimes I need to sleep in. I'm just tired. It'd be really nice. And not coming at it like you're attacking the other person. I think that's the best way to come at it. But obviously, some people are sensitive, so they're going to take it as an attack. But, you know, life is hard, and there's going to be a lot harder things to deal with than your roommate telling you to be quieter in the morning. So that's just how I view it. Just be polite about it. Don't make it into a big thing. I would always make roommate stuff such a big deal in my head when it really was not that big of a deal when you just kind of voice it and talk about it. So that was just things that I wish I would have known when I had roommates. Okay, this one is someone's perspective, but she says, My senior year of college, I was sharing a house with six other girls. We all had our own room and bathroom, but we shared the common spaces. One thing that always bugged me at the time when I lived there was when one roommate would leave her dishes piled up in the sink all day, run the dishwasher half full, or pile up their food in the fridge to where it would all fall out and make a mess. And I blamed it on them. I hate to admit it. Being the passive aggressive person that I am, I would send the roommate a text. Yes, a text. (laughs) I cringe to this day asking, hey, could we not do this? Insert thing that annoy me here. Never in person. One day after sending one of those texts to one of my roommates, she came and knocked on my door one night asking if we could talk. I was so uncomfortable because I knew I had just made something that didn't need to be an issue an issue and I felt so guilty. I commend her because she approached me in a person very graciously letting me know that I had hurt her feelings and asking for a way to compromise. I honestly don't remember how the conversation ended but looking back I regret sending those texts to those girls hurting them in that way that I did and letting pointless things bother me. If I had to give one piece of advice to avoid conflict, don't let pointless things someone else does bother you to where it stirs you up to anger. You're not going to love every single thing someone else does to each their own. Consider what bringing it up to the other person would mean for your relationship. Is it worth it? This is, I'm so glad I read this one right after. I hadn't even read this before. 
But this is so true. But I totally feel you where you're a non-confrontational person and you think that sending a text is going to make it easier. I don't think you need to be that hard on yourself. But that was nice. The girl came to you and just politely like said that it bothered her. But I also hope she stopped piling up her dishes after that. I hope she kind of got the memo a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. That was nice. But I think that's a good example of how you should do it. And how being passive aggressive seems like it's going to give the message without you having to do the hard work. But honestly, just go talk to them in person because passive aggression is literally the most annoying thing ever. I'm saying this as someone who also is passive aggressive sometimes. Just don't do it. Confront your problems. They're not even that big of a deal. Things will get better if you just face them head on. So I really like that you submitted that. She says, I'm not necessarily writing for advice, although advice is great, but my husband and I met in 2017 and we just got married November 2020. We're both Christians and I know deep in my heart God's plan was for us to be together. We actually met online and we hit it off. Anyway, he's a very mature believer and when we started dating, he took things slow in terms of asking me to be his girlfriend, saying I love you, etc. Which in hindsight, I really respect, but at the time, I fell in love with him so fast and was so frustrated with how slow he was moving, and being that this was my first time in love, I vented to my sister who I lived with at the time. Well, big mistake. My parents, brother, and extended family all love my husband, but my sister, who is extremely protective, just hasn't let it go. And three years later, she still has problems with him because of our early years and her seeing me upset about him going slow. I pray that God would mend their relationship and that years down the road, everything will be smoothed over. But right now, it really hurts my heart to know my sister and my husband don't have a relationship. Prayers are very much appreciated. This is so good because something that I had always heard and something that my parents did was not to vent about your relationship to your family. It is really hard though, especially when you're close to your family and maybe it's just one day something's really bothering you. You really want to bring it up but that is so hard because as a sibling like I remember things that my siblings told me about their significant other that made them upset and it's so much better to vent about things to like a third party who's just not in your family not really a friend like a mentor or something but yeah this is so why and even like from my perspective why I don't think I want to include like my relationship and my family all over my videos too because there are just some things that I think are good to keep within your relationship especially when you're young like you said it was before you were married you just started dating so that's really hard I'm really sorry but I would say that I do think your sister could kind of like see past that like that was a few years ago doesn't really mean anything obviously you got married to him if she thinks you're like a strong believer and thinks that you really kind of know your path or whatever that she should know that this was the guy for you and she should respect that and love him I don't think things that you said to her three years ago should still be holding them back from having a relationship but that's really hard I'm glad you wrote this in because that's something I do want to say when you're having conflict with people it's why talking about it is really hard and you should be careful about who you share things to because people remember stuff and it's sad But I also think she can see past it. So I'm sorry. I will definitely send a prayer when I finish this podcast episode for that because that's really hard. Okay, I wanted to read this one because there are a lot of people who say that you shouldn't kind of let things simmer when you're having conflict. But this is a really good perspective. So 
She says, I wanted to share an experience on a conflict I had with a best friend. Last year, right before quarantine, I was having a hard time with my friend group in college, primarily dealing with trust issues. I was having a hard time trusting anyone in the friend group, especially my best friend. When I noticed them gossip about each other and about others, they called friends. That's always like a red flag when other people gossip about other people. It's like they're probably gossiping about you too. But she says, my best friend at the time had lots of influence over this group as well. And it bothered me how I found her often gossiping about friends for the sake of a good conversation. I am the most unconfrontational person, so I never spoke out about how I felt. When quarantine started and I moved back home, I fell off the grid from everyone for a few weeks. My best friend at the time did not reach out to me once, nor did I hear to her. This went on for months, and before I knew it, the fall semester started and another month went by before we ever spoke to each other again. It's so crazy to think, sorry, I keep adding my kind of tidbits, but it's so crazy how easy it is to just fall off and like stop talking to someone and think that they're mad at you. And then they think that you're mad at them. And so you just never talk for months. It's just so crazy and sad. Like to think what would the world be like if we just like shared when we were thinking about someone when we thought they were mad. I don't know. Okay, I'm going to keep going back to the story. She says, I was a senior and suddenly lost my main group of friends and my best friend all at once. It felt lonely and it was a strange time to feel lonely. A mutual friend outside of this friend group invited us both to her birthday brunch. I knew I had to hash it out with her before the brunch, so it wouldn't be awkward for anyone else there. We met up and talked for two hours. It was the scariest thing I'd ever initiated, and we are two opposites, and she's very confrontational. Long story short, we were honest to each other about our experiences and have moved on. My goal and my hope was for us to be on good terms, and so far it has worked out. We are nowhere near as close anymore, especially now that I've graduated and moved away. But we still talk every now and then. Some of my main takeaways from this experience is not to let so much time pass by in conflict and always be honest about how you feel. I could have saved myself a lot of anxiety and stress if I wouldn't have let so many months of silence go by. Some time in silence was good, however, to pray about the situation and ask God what was really in my heart that was hurting, and he revealed those answers to me. There were other wounds revealed besides the gossiping. This allowed me to have a more honest conversation with her. Not easier by any means, but it was necessary. Time and prayer and offering the situation up was truthfully the only reason my friend and I are on good terms. This is how I'm handling any conflict now. Mine is letting so many months of silence go by. Don't recommend that. I loved this. This is like the perfect kind of situation. Mine is like you said, the silence thing, but that you invited her to kind of talk about what was on her mind and sharing your heart behind it and also praying about it I think that as a Christian it's so easy to kind of neglect the power of prayer in situations like this and it's like God wants us to be in community with other people so he cares and like these verses shared like he does not want any bitterness or wrath or anger to be present and so it's good to hash things out I think hash things out is kind of an aggressive phrase but it's good to talk things out and I definitely feel that and it is somewhat sad. Sometimes I think about people who I used to be really close with and now like we're on good terms, but I'm not nearly as close. I don't text them very often. And it's sad to think about that, but it is good knowing that you're on good terms and that's such a good feeling. So yeah, I really like this one. I think it's great advice. Okay, this is another one that is really, really good, but she says... I used to really struggle with conflict. As a teen and early college student, I was always so nervous to stand up for myself. I did not want to be seen as too loud, too forward, or too much. I was definitely scared of others not liking me. Ironically enough, I've always had a temper and avoiding conflict was my way of avoiding reacting badly during a disagreement. But this all came to a head a few years ago with a roommate of mine. 
I was more straightforward about the issues we have with each other. Never cleaning up after herself, being extremely rude to my boyfriend because she didn't like him, never agreeing to take out the trash, buy shared products, etc. But she was much more passive aggressive. She talked negatively behind my back, left me notes, and one day I had enough and I blew up at her. I yelled at her, literally screamed about how awful she was and how inconsiderate of a person she was. After this, I obviously felt terrible about the way I handled the situation and even felt like I was a bad person because of one outburst. I decided I would never, ever let my frustrations build up again. Now, as a soon-to-be therapist, I realize that one single incident does not make someone a bad person or less worthy of love. In fact, under the Social Work Code of Ethics, every human being has dignity and worth, which is very true. The way I view it now is I am deserving of love and appreciate as much as anyone else. When I choose not to stand up for myself, I am dishonoring who I am and all that I am worthy of. I am choosing to push feelings down that will always ultimately come up. It is honestly so difficult for me to see others avoiding conflict at the expense of their well-being and desires. Conflict can be hard, but avoiding it will always be harder and will always dishonor who you are. This is so good and it's cool that you later on became a therapist or you're working to become a therapist like that you use this experience and you're like okay I'm going to use this for my advantage and learn how to have actual healthy conflict resolution but yeah I think there's like a pattern between all these submissions that avoiding the problem is never really wise unless you are like praying and meditating on it and trying to think of how to have the best response but not to keep putting it down and just not recognizing it because an outburst usually does happen so I think I'm going to read one more because I think we're approaching the 50 minute mark which usually my episodes aren't this long but like I said I just had so many good submissions that I wanted to answer as much as possible okay she says anyway okay so I'm graduating from college in May with a degree in early childhood education I have been student teaching for the whole entire school year four days a week all while still taking normal college classes and trying to maintain a social life sounds very very hard My parents are basically 100% expecting me to get a teaching job next year, but that is not something I want to do right now. I've been so stressed and worked so hard for four years with deadlines constantly making me anxious, and I feel like I just need a break. My parents don't understand this and want me to get a teaching job in August. I feel bad because they did pay for my whole college, but how do I tell them I need a break? I know there's going to be so much conflict about it, and I don't know how to handle it because graduation is coming, and I need to tell them why I don't have a teaching job yet. Any advice on how to tell them I don't want a teaching job and I just want to be a nanny for at least a year or maybe longer? Yeah, so I think this one is a little hard because you mentioned about them paying for your school too. And I think sometimes when people are paying for things, they feel like they deserve a share in kind of like the outcome, if you will. But I think just being honest with them and tell them how hard you've been working. I'm sure you've already done this. I'm sure this is not something that you don't know, but it is really good to have a break and maybe try to kind of share to them how you'll be using the break to be applying for teaching jobs and seeing the best schools to work at and really still kind of networking and trying to figure it out, but just not rushing into a job because I can tell you rushing into a job is a really bad idea and it will usually just leave you feeling even more burnout if it's not 100% what you want to be doing. And so I would just try to kind of, like everyone else said, address the problem and talk about it, even if it's scary. Because like you said, they're going to find out that this is kind of the path that you're trying to pursue eventually because you're going to be graduating and you're not going to have a teaching job. So just be honest with them and share 
your heart behind it and share how hard you've been working. I also know that nannies make a lot of money. I mean, when I was in New York City, people were making full-time salaries with great benefits. They got to go on really great vacations. So if money's a thing, I would just say you can find a really awesome gig and it's not going to be like a giant pay decrease or anything and just kind of try to share that as well. That is everything I have to share for this episode though. I did not get to nearly as many of the submissions as I wanted to and so I might extend this into a new episode, not next week, but maybe in a couple weeks or so, or maybe bring some of these into my advice segment that I do around once a month. But yeah, thank you guys so much if you submitted. Again, I always ask on my Instagram, which is just at Michelle Reed. If you're listening to this, feel free to tag me in a story. That's like the best way for me to actually see DMs because I just don't always check my message requests, but I do always see when I'm tagged in stories. So feel free to tag me and I will definitely respond. Let me know how you're listening. If you're on a walk, if you're working, if you're drawing, whatever it may be. I love seeing how people listen to podcasts because for me, I always listen to podcasts when I'm home alone and I don't want to feel like I'm home alone. I usually like cleaning or working. And yeah, if you want to write a review, that's another great way. It kind of helps bump the podcast if you're on Apple Podcasts. But thank you guys so much for listening. I really do appreciate you guys all as listeners. And I always love my podcast fam. So I really appreciate y'all. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. I hope this helped you deal with conflict in a healthier way. It's something I'm definitely still working at too. So I'm not perfect. But thank you guys for listening. I will talk to you guys in my next episode. Bye, friends.